0: Welcome, teacher friend. I'm Lori.
1: And I'm Melissa.
0: We are two literacy educators in Baltimore. We want the best for all kids, and we know you do too.
1: Our district recently adopted a new literacy curriculum, which meant a lot of change for everyone. Lori and I can't wait to keep learning about literacy with you today.
0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Literacy Podcast. Melissa and Lori love literacy. We are very excited about today's episode because we are talking with a very special guest. And I know, Melissa, I know we just talked about this guest on last week's episode of the podcast, so I feel like listeners will be familiar with her, but we are uh, <laughs> excited to, to talk with her directly today, not...
1: About her, <laughs> that's right. Yep, yeah. Trey Hadrick last on our episode last week. If you didn't listen, he talked all about Faith Borkowski and her book. Um, if only I would have known. Um, and we're going to talk about it with her today. So we're super excited. So I'm yeah. so excited. Welcome, thank Faith. Thank you, thank
2: you, thank you both. I'm so excited to be here with you. Really, what a pleasure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, we're excited to read all your books and to yes. <laughs> uh, to to watch you on the literacy documentary. Like you are taking your fame status to new heights with that documentary, right? <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm
2: taking a backseat to Nora. Man, what she is doing. Yeah. She is yeah. just killing it.
1: I know. <laughs> so she's excited. A champ. I
2: know Nora and she's just a great person. So excited to see her.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for for being a part of it. And um, before we jump into our conversation today, would you mind sharing a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, So um, I've been
2: in education. I can't even believe I'm saying this. 35 years. (laughs) And um, I started off as a classroom teacher, reading specialist. And then I was fortunate enough to become a coach with Reading First Initiative. So I was a regional coach and um, I was also an administrator for a literacy program. And now I do private work. I'm an, a consultant. I'm working with a school district presently. Uh, I just wrote about that recently in a blog. Uh, uh, Lindbrook School District here on Long Island. Uh, first one, I think, that actually decided to go completely all in and change um, their uh, reading program from kindergarten and up. So I'm super excited about that. Uh, But my heart is always with parents, families. That's uh, something that is my number one concern, getting the message out to families because I've witnessed the heartbreak firsthand as someone who works privately with children. Mm -hmm. And I wrote about it uh, in a couple of books. My first one was actually called Reading Intervention Behind School Walls. And then that book was read by someone, um, maybe you know him, Don Wynn, who writes his own books and he is dyslexic himself, wanted to get the book out there in a bigger way And uh, we came up with a different title and cover, and we made it better. And that book is called Failing Students or Failing Schools, A Parent's Guide to Reading Instruction and Intervention.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And it won an award. Uh, It won the Wishing Shelf Award. And I was... Very proud of that because I don't consider myself an author, even though, yes, I wrote books. You definitely are. I'm, I'm a teacher. <laughs> like you are. <laughs> I know when people introduce me and you know, I tell them author, I'm like, I really did that. That was <laughs> sort of also a super cool thing that I, I feel proud of, but in my heart, I'm still a teacher.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so, in, in writing that book, I got a lot of recognition from families, schools, um, teachers, people from all over the world. That book opened up, uh, you know, a a world to me that I didn't know people from other countries. Mm. And uh, in doing that, people would read the book and then they said, oh, boy, I wish I had this book when my child first started school. So that was the first sign. <laughs> and then having worked with kids again and again, it was like Groundhog Day. So I could say it, we just had Groundhog right. Day. Right? <laughs> yeah. And so it was like the movie, the Bill Murray movie, where <laughs> that day kept repeating itself again and again and again, mm-hmm. where I would assess a child, And then the parents would have tears in their eyes and they would get choked up, either actually crying or sounding like they were on the verge of crying. And it would almost be a moan, like, if only I would have known. And I said, bingo, that's the title. Mm -hmm. It's authentic. It's real. It's what I heard. I put it in quotes because that is what it is. That kind of deep regret, that, con- that, that deep regret that if I could turn the clock back, I would. And that's how my newest book came about. It really is written so that we could avoid these types of conversations where perhaps people would know about literacy instruction well before uh, they start going down that road of intervention and IEP meetings and program after program of uh, being disappointed. Mm
1: -hmm. And
2: so I wrote this in a way that would reach, I felt, a large number of people, um, a diverse group of people. And I particularly... um, picked a way that I felt would be easy, accessible to understand. I enlisted the help of my very good friend, who is now my friend for almost 40 years, my friend Cheryl Rosenstock Marcus, who is a graphic artist. Mm -hmm. And she knows me deeply and understood what I wanted to do with this. And uh, she used her... Talent to come up with fantastic pictures that really supported the message without it getting too cutesy and overtaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I wanted to say. It just supports mm-hmm. it. It gives it a lot of space between print, so that even someone with low literacy skills could pick this book up and understand it. And that's what I wanted to convey to your audience today, that I'm really, I'm on a mission to help communities and people, especially who have been marginalized over the years and don't really know this message. Um, That's my goal is to get that out there.
1: That's beautiful. Yeah. And I think you, I, from, just my own personal standpoint accomplish that you know it was like I, it was a super easy read. I have a three year old um, and it's hard to do anything with him around, <laughs> but I literally was able to you know he was playing with some toys and I was able to pick this up and read it and get it you know I have a lot of background knowledge about <laughs> the topic, but still you know it was really easy to 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 get it and 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 I learned things you know I learned things I was like, man like, I didn't even realize playing with Play-Doh was something that will help (laughs) help him later with reading. Um, You know, so things that even were helpful for me. You know, someone who you think has a lot of background and what what to do for kids for for literacy.
0: Yeah,
2: I I, um, I and thank you for saying that because not only did I want to get the message out to communities who might not hear this message. But to parents like um, yourself, where uh, you're busy, you're mm-hmm. working, you have other responsibilities. But you, this is a book that you can get through. You can mm-hmm. put it down. You could easily pick it up. And you will get the important message. I cut out a lot of the unnecessary stuff and just mm-hmm. want to get to the heart of it. I'm I'm really about practical common sense solutions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we've had enough of the theory. You know, I've been at this for a long time, and um, I, that's why I really do believe in a backdoor approach. That mm-hmm. the, the schools certainly we're onto something now, uh, and with the internet, the message is getting out. More schools are trying to learn this science of reading. But I almost feel that that is um, almost intimidating, the science of reading. Yeah. yeah. It's very intimidating where it almost feels like you really need um, a high level of knowledge to make change. And I think that in some ways we scare people off that, Mm -hmm. hey, we need to just lower the temperature and look at common sense things that we could be doing. Mm -hmm. And I like talking to people like I'm talking to you. We're friends. We're girlfriends. Let's talk like girlfriends instead of, oh, I know more or (laughs) this is my (laughs) title. And that's the message I want to get across when I talk to people in the community. You can do it if you don't need to have specialized knowledge to understand this. And you could do a lot with, uh, just knowing the basics. You really can.
0: Yeah. When you, th- when you think about affecting change over the course of, you know, the time I, this book is, was released in 2019. Um, how, have you heard any stories about how this has affected change that you might want to share with listeners? Because I just think it, 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 echo everything that you just said. It is so easy and to digest and the message is very clear. It has some, some really easy and specific ways for you as parents to support your, or even like preschool teachers, right. Um, to support your child or your students. Um, but I'm curious if you have any kind of community stories that you might want to uplift us with right now.
2: <laughs> it, well, you spoke to Trey. And mm-hmm. so I, you know, I don't want to repeat something that he might have said. I don't know. But uh, he used this book, the If Only book, with a group of men. Now, right there, that to me is super cool. That you have an African American (laughs) man leading a book club with other African American men in a community where um, you know literacy is an issue, where it it's one of these issues where it perpetuates itself, and Mm -hmm. these wonderful men, the Norristown men of excellence, want to spread the word. And they use this book as a book club um, study. And you have a barber now who wants to teach other people to read. I mean, that to me is incredible. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other men... uh, One was in education at, uh, I forget, uh, well, Trey's a counselor, a guidance counselor. I forget Mm -hmm. the other positions that the men had, but they were fathers. They were men in the community, educators, and then business owners. I -hmm. mean, that to me is the most exciting thing. And what's happening, which is really unbelievable, um, the Decodable Books, I don't know if you know of them, Phonics um, Books, Tammy mm-hmm. Frankfurt is uh, leading this. And I asked her if she could send Decodable Books to this barbershop.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And
0: she's Trey, doing Sh- it.
2: Trey that's so excited. He I know.
0: She's
1: really
2: this. Cool. And he's setting up a little corner in the barbershop with decodable books, and I'm going to have my books also available and Trey bought 10 of my books to use for book studies, but also just to keep it there in the barbershop. And this is a way to start conversations because Mm -hmm. in the African-American community, the barbershop is like a club. People, Mm -hmm. you know, I've learned this from having these deep conversations with Trey that it's it's a meeting place for mm-hmm. men and boys to talk. And so how wonderful is that to be able to have a conversation about literacy yeah. where you don't have to get into a science with like <laughs> title <Right. laughs> and and researchers and but it is based obviously on the science, but it totally is. Friendly to to mm-hmm. approach people with now these men want to be able to start sharing this message with other people, and that to me is what it's about. Lori, you mentioned before about wanting to start, um, you know, a train every month of having books go into um, offices in uh, doctors' offices, pediatricians. Mm-hmm. That's my goal. I want it to be in maternity wards. I, yeah. I would like this to be a gift for a new mom and for, you know, parents who uh, are just learning about talking to their kids, that yeah. this is the way it's done. Yes, it's talk. Yes, we read aloud. That message has been said many times. That Read to your kid 15 minutes a day. and <laughs> but it gives parents this thought that magically poof, the words are going to just be there and they're automatically going to read and it doesn't happen that
0: way. Right. So- Yeah, and and then then it gives them the, like it actually, I love, what I love about it is it says in the book, you're, you're sharing and saying what they should be able to do and then kind of, Getting at the fact that the intervention, like, I mean, you're, you're saying it, but I think that parents can make that connection. Um, like, unfortunately, it sounds like Jill was not given the right intervention, right? Like, it's very clear. And I'm, um, I'm imagining a parent reading this book thinking, oh, okay. So the inven- intervention they just described, that sounds a lot like what my child is getting right now. And, you know, th- so, I, but then you're going on to explain what that intervention is and, and elaborating. So can I read like a couple sentences? Do you mind?
2: Yeah, of course. I just want to let the audience know, I don't know if I clearly this is in play format. So it's um, thank you. Yeah. So it's not only um, illustrated with uh, some terrific uh, supporting artwork, there's, there's also a message that it's from a family. The point of view, I did it where there's a mom talking to a pediatrician, to a preschool teacher and to a librarian so that she could learn how to help her child because the other two, the older children already went through this already mm-hmm. and they've had interventions that did not work. So I didn't want it to be in my voice. I wanted this book, the Failing Students book is in my voice. It's my story. It's part memoir right. and then, you know, yeah. advice. But this one, I did not want it to be in my voice. I wanted it to be like a typical family that I've had before
1: mm-hmm. and
2: that this is the mom's way of learning. And yep. so, yeah, so certainly to read some lines, I just wanted to make it clear that it is in this play format.
0: Thank you. Yeah. So it's a mom with three children, but the child who we're talking about all the kids, but zeroing in on really getting ahead for that youngest child because the other two kids have, quote, you know, kind of gone through the system already. And now she's trying to backfill or intervene for them. And the youngest, we're hoping to get it right, quote, the first time. Is that accurate? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just going to read like a little part. Um, Unfortunately, it sounds like Jill was not given the right intervention. Memorizing words and using pictures do not really teach a child how to read unknown or hard words. Now that Jill's in fourth grade and the books no longer have pictures or other cues to help her, she's struggling. She really needs to learn to actually read the words accurately and fluently. That will help her forever. And I wrote snaps next to that. (laughs) I was like, yes, (laughs) Because I think that, uh, like I imagined educators and parents just being like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. There's no more pictures once we hit third and fourth grade. And that seems to be when they're struggling. And just even though it's, it's kind of like a obvious thing, I think it's really important to point that out, especially for community members or families who are... In that situation, like they I feel like, you know, in K through two, sometimes, you know, parents are like, oh, you know, they're doing they're doing well, everything's going fine. And then they get to third grade, and it's like a screeching haul. And it's really nothing was fine along the way. It's really that that's when things become more illuminated. Because you cannot look at the pictures any longer. Right. So,
1: um, but it's yeah, so I, obvious I, when you say it. But it's not it's necessarily so obvious for parents, right? Who correct. don't know what correct. happened there,
0: <laughs> right? Which is why I think this is brilliant because it's very <laughs> cut and and dry and clear. It's like, oh, this <laughs> this is why I you know I've been thinking this, and I'm imagining you know, moms and dads who don't have an education background or even educators who are wondering what's happening in their classroom? Why kids haven't been able to read over and over again? Like this is big aha right here. It is a big aha. I can tell you that I talk to
2: teachers all the time and, you know, we think that this information is out there and that by this point they should know. And I can tell you They don't. And those that are getting this information, sometimes it's overwhelming for them. They are Mm -hmm, overwhelmed. You know, you give a teacher uh, a certain book where they don't have the background or the practical knowledge, it just seems like a bunch of jargon. That's Mm -hmm. why even though Failing Students has in the title A Parent's Guide, It easily could be for a teacher. And I've said this numerous times. And uh, community board members have picked the book up and brought it to meetings to share. Uh, But, you know, it it becomes uh, controversial in some cases because they don't want to necessarily change. They want Mm -hmm. to find ways to keep what they have and fill in gaps. which we know doesn't doesn't work work. so much. Yeah, Mm -hmm. doesn't work. And what you said before about not assuming that's how I approach everything. I approach it where I assume you don't. And I want to make everything as basic, digestible, easy to understand, accessible, practical I just wanted to be where anybody could ask me anything and not feel stupid about asking that question.
1: Mm-hmm. Faith, I'm wondering if you could talk a little more about. You already mentioned that you know it's the the mom going to talk to the pediatrician, the preschool teacher, and the librarian. I'm wondering what made you land on those three. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, yeah. and What you want? What you what you were hoping people mm-hmm. got from? That conversation? So I try to think of people who would be
2: in contact with a child before formal schooling.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. And I think families sometimes are too close to this. They see this child every day. They get used to certain patterns and they are not aware of those signs. And so they might not know that there are signs really from birth through two. And Mm -hmm. so I really think it's important for a pediatrician to make this part of a well checkup, you know, a literacy checkup. I, I think it's important. Now, what's out there, what I've seen, this is not new. I'm not creating this discussion. But what I see is they have these flyers where the words are written this small (laughs) and it's by experts and you have to have a certain degree of literacy, you know, being able to read to feel comfortable with that and to be able to advocate for your child. It's intimidating and it's not being picked up in clinics. That's for sure. So who reads this? People who already know about this, the dyslexia moms, the parent groups, the white suburban moms that, you know, really have a college education. I want to reach people who really don't have that kind of access, who Mm -hmm. cannot digest that, who would look at that piece of paper and, you know, I don't even know what this means. I I can't (laughs) even ask questions. I wanted to make it friendly. So that was my goal with the pediatrician that you first get your information about children from your pediatrician. This should be basic information, having that mm-hmm. conversation. Next step is parents go back to work. Where are their kids in daycare and preschools? So, mm-hmm. who should know about that? And you have a lot of people who run home daycare centers And they might not uh, have a master's in reading and they are doing what they were taught and and they think is right. We just expose kids to books and we just make it fun and we sing the ABC song and that's enough. I want to make preschool teachers and daycare workers know that they can affect change if they just knew. Mm -hmm. And then... My last one, the librarian, well, they have access to books, right? But you don't find decodable books in a library. And um, my daughter is a librarian. And um, so I have a sweet spot for librarians. Uh, She (laughs) did not go into being a children's librarian. She's a reference librarian. But... um, I really feel that librarians are underutilized in the community. And so you talk about a community that's African-American and um, Hispanic. And from what Trey told me, the library is underutilized. It's not a place where um, many people in his community go for pleasure. They might Mm -hmm. go there if, let's say, they need to go. Mm-hmm. But it's not that welcoming place. And I went to visit Ray in his community. And I have to tell you, I was disappointed with that library. And it just wasn't the kind of library that says, oh, yes, we want to be there to educate the community. They, mm-hmm. they, they talk about certain things, but they're not really taking an active role. In this. And I think that they are the people who could make such a difference and at least know what decodable books are and have them available. So, Mm -hmm. to be clear, those decodable books mirror the phonics curriculum that kids should be getting in school. So, that Mm -hmm. would be the next step. Parents would know, oh, I could take out these books. My kids are learning how to read print. And now here are books that can support that. So um, another great series is from Piper Books, um, the, uh, the uh, beginning reading instruction, advanced reading instruction. And those are also decodable books. They sent me some books that are for mature readers. And I plan on giving my books to that barbershop, too. That's what I'm going to do. I have them here, but I'm going to give it to the barbershop. Yeah, i use them, uh, right? You know, I want that to become a resource center, a pilot for something like this. Mm-hmm. I, I would love a church to become a pilot because I mm-hmm. know, you know what? People go to supermarkets, laundromats, churches, barbershops, beauty parlors this is where the information needs to be. And -hmm. then of course, those community members like pediatricians, early childhood workers, and librarians could then be educated. That's my goal. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's my 10 year plan. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) That's so good.
0: I was just talking. Oh, go ahead, Melissa.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, because, you know, I do have a three-year-old, right? So he falls in that age range you're talking about. And, um, you know, when I think of, we go to the pediatrician, I mean, and and I, I like my pediatrician a lot. <laughs> so I'm not like bad mouthing my pediatrician, but she does, you know, it's like, are you reading to him? Great. Check. You know, and there's like a couple, you know, questions that are more specific around, I don't, I don't remember what they were like, you know, mm-hmm. speech mostly. Um, but, but. And same for, like, I send him to preschool. I honestly don't know what he does most days. (laughs) Sometimes something's sent home and I'm like, oh, you learned A today. Okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But what what it even did for me, like, even though I I have a, a, you know, literacy background, like, knowing what kinds of questions to ask them, right? If they're not asking me any questions, (laughs) what kinds of questions can I ask? my pediatrician or the preschool teacher. We haven't been to the library as much with COVID, (laughs) but hopefully when things get better, we'll get back there more. Um, but it really was helpful for, for me to like, like, Oh, I can, I can ask them questions too. And this gave me some questions to ask them. Well, it's
2: interesting, Melissa, that, uh, you say that because, uh, I, I take dance lessons. That's just something I do for pleasure. I <laughs> love that. My, my dance teacher, it's ballroom and Latin dancing. And my dance teacher uh, has two young children. And when she read my books, she decided to interview preschool teachers
1: mm-hmm. to see
2: what they knew. Yeah. Well, she wasn't satisfied and she decided to keep them at home. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. She decided she could do a better job based on what I tell her. And uh, she just decided I could do this myself because if they're going to start having him memorize words and they were very proud of it. When she interviewed some preschools in the area They were like, oh, we start with sight words and we do this and that. And they thought they were telling her something that would sell the preschool.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: And she was just flawed. And she just said, "Okay, I am just not going to (laughs) bother doing this. I'm going to do this myself. And that's just funny that you say that. So,
1: yeah. I did yeah. think, I was like, where is this preschool teacher in this book? I would like <laughs> Elliot to go to this preschool.
2: my <laughs> well, hope, Melissa, my hope is that, ooh, maybe this could be a way, it's like uh, subliminal messages, right? Like, ooh, <laughs> I, maybe I can make my school be the first to look right. like this. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's the goal of the book is to put it into the hands of the people so someone like you could ask, well, where are you getting these questions from? Oh, here, why don't you read this? Mm -hmm. And maybe you could start making those changes to align more to what the research is. You don't have to really read the research. Why don't you just start here, doing some of those things?
0: Mm -hmm. That's interesting that you say that about Re- you know, reading the research, because I think a lot of people do feel overwhelmed with that. There's so much. And we do get lots of questions from listeners or lots of inquiries along those lines. Like, this is so overwhelming. Where do you think I should start? And I I love the idea of learning something mm-hmm. and then trying it in practice. And along the way, you're naturally going to gather the, re- the resources and the research that you need to keep you Focused on your journey, and I think that that's how Melissa and I really authentically got into this as well. Is you know that when we were in um, in Baltimore, when we adopted Wit and Wisdom, and we also had foundations, we really started learning about the science of reading and what knowledge building meant, and how to build skills and knowledge at the same time, as well as you know making sure that those foundational skills are shored up through you know systematic instruction and and consistency of that and what that looks like across a grade band and throughout the grade bands. And it was the practice that made us see it. And then we pulled out and we were like, where's the research now? And we were ready for the research because we saw it in practice. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, you know, that's, I think not always the access point that everyone has. So I, I love the, a, I love in the book, the just like the, just try it, right? Just try the Play-Doh and and you know, try make letters using the Play-Doh or hold the grip, the Play-Doh, build your strength skills. And um that, you know, it's helping people feel encouraged that they're doing something that is good for kids. And, and it's also research-based, but they haven't read like a 29-page report about the effects of Play-Doh on reading science. Or, you know, <laughs> and,
2: you know my, my whole idea with the Play-Doh was the fine motor and, and building mm-hmm. strength. And these kids, all they do now is they touch a keyboard. Yeah. That at yeah. <laughs> the youngest age, they're playing with electronics. There's no pincer grip anymore. Right. You know, I used to give my kids Cheerios and I always made a joke that my daughter in particular, I have two kids. Um, My son is older and, uh, my daughter was the fussy eater and she would hold one Cheerio in her hand and nibble on it. She was so fussy. And how do you just munch on one Cheerio? So, so little. This wasn't an eater. what? So cool. I have to tell you, she was the artist. <laughs> <laughs> That's and funny. She had a good pincer grip. <laughs> that is
0: funny.
2: Yeah, because that she's worked those funny. muscles for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but but seriously, she did um, both of them. I always put out the Play-Doh and different things. My son had more difficulties with fine motor, and mm-hmm. I had to do a little bit more with him in that regard. But he was the one who spoke first. And, um, wow. you know, they, they had their strengths. But one thing I did learn from working with both of them was, This idea of clearly showing them letters and sounds. I didn't even know what I was doing at the time. I really didn't. I was a reading specialist and I just knew, oh, expose them to books, read books to them. They didn't have those difficulties but somehow I did start showing them to put two sounds together, add another one in, using these Sesame Street blocks and just showing them how sounds are pushed together. Um, only later did I start learning after I read a book that I know you recommend. I think I saw it on your recommended list. The Diane McGuinness book, Why
0: Our Children Don't Read and What You Can Do About It. Is that on your list? Or maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know. I don't I don't have memorized what's on the list, but um, we have heard of that book. It's <laughs> yeah, interesting because I did look at
2: um, some books that you recommended. and I thought that was one of your recommended books. If not,
0: maybe I made a mistake. But that book changed my life. That Well, book- it, it will be if it's not, because... It- <laughs> It changed your life and it led you to write more books like this. We're going to put it on our list. <laughs>
2: you absolutely should put that on your list. Uh, that book, I wrote about it in Failing Students or Failing Schools, that that yeah. book absolutely changed my whole focus. Um, and I ended up going for my own training. It wasn't like it was handed to me. I did this myself and uh, it it put me on the path to learn more and yeah. I want to spread the message as best as I could.
0: I paused for a moment when you asked, because I have reading Reflex in front of me okay. and that is also a McGinnis authors. And I was like, is this the, is it, are they related? What's, <laughs> but I have her, the book that you shared. I think Nora recommended to us. Yeah.
2: Oh, okay. I thought it.
0: Okay. Nora definitely would. So Nora
2: <laughs> was a phonographics trainer Um, And so EBLI came out of some of that work from phonographics. And um, I'm working also with John Walker, who does the Sounds Right program. He also was a phonographics trainer. And that's how Sounds Right approaches their work, Speech to Print. Got it. Okay. we're, we're a group of people who went down the phonographics path. And what led us all to phonographics was the Diane McGuinness book, Why Our Children Can't Read and What We Could Do About It. And that was the link between us, between um, Nora and myself when we met, that we talked about that. And in speaking with John Walker and his Sounds Right, that was a link, how we also started talking because we all
0: really believe in that approach. Yeah, I think what you're speaking of is this little community that's happening right now. And I'm like, if people are listening, you're part of it too. You know, I mean, Faith, you've been a part of it for a little bit longer than Melissa and I have, but, and I don't know where everybody out there listening is on their journey, but there are so many of us now and it is coming to light. And, and there are so many things we can do. And, you know, I think for me, what I'm taking away from this conversation is it's the little things that we can do and also being really creative. Like, I love the idea. Like I just, you know, I, I shared on Trey's podcast, I purchased this book for my pediatrician. I'm going to write a little bit, a little letter sharing about the current reading curriculum in our County and, uh potentially also, uh, Richard Gentry had a piece recently, where he called out the, the five programs that may be harmful for your child if you know, for reading. And the one or actually one of them is the one that we use in the county that I live in. And so I am hopeful that with some treats and some books and some knowledge, you know, the, the pediatricians in that office will read, learn, and then share with their community, you know? And, and it's it's this like grassroots effort that you're speaking of that you were a part of, you know, a little while before us. And now you're still a part of, thankfully. And <laughs> we are now a part of and, and how we can continue to spread the good word. And, you know, I keep thinking about really creative things such as um, I was talking with a colleague before I jumped on here, uh, whose husband is a librarian. And he does little podcast, uh, listening groups and then they all get together virtually and discuss. And I was telling her I was about to jump on with you and, uh, she was like, Oh, you'll have to talk to my husband. We'll get the playlist together for the podcasts. And, um, then, you know, everybody can read the book and you, they can all discuss. And I was like, this is what we're talking about. Things like that, where people Absolutely. just want to come together and learn. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think I said your question could just be, "How do kids learn how to read?" <laughs> you know, like very basically. And I think you'd have a lot of interested parents and community members and grandparents and exactly very, at the ready. At uh, exactly, and you know, once people
2: know there are programs out there that. Are doable for parents. They might Mm -hmm. need support. They might need a little guidance. Mm -hmm. But what I want to get across is you don't always need to be certified in Orton Gillingham. I really (laughs) want to get that across. That um, I'm not saying that schools shouldn't support training, professional development. Every teacher should have. you know, broad based knowledge of what reading is. But what I'm saying is 80% of the kids, 85% of the kids out there, (laughs) at least if they just were taught, these are the letters, focus on the sounds, push the sounds together, read the word, the end, say the sounds, read the word. If you want to spell a word, Here's the word. Say it. Very good. Now think about the sounds and write those letters, say the sounds, check it back. Good. I mean, like as simple as that, that it does not have to be a certification process to be able to get common sense into the hands of people. And that, see, the UK, I have to say, they really, are much more, um, (laughs) practical, pragmatic in their approach. It's, I feel like here Americans, the better, the more expensive, the more you do, the more props, the more materials, oh, better and bigger, you know, it has to be worth something. And something that's inexpensive, um, like I, I've mentioned before, um, you know, I support a program called Word Wasp uh, that now is in an American version. And um, I talk about that, that it can be done. It can mm-hmm. be done where uh, parents could take charge of this. Other people can tutor and pick up and help others if they just had a little bit of knowledge. Doesn't take right. all that much. That's See, what I
0: how, how many hours would you say, like, in your opinion, and I know this is probably a tricky question because I'm not giving you any information about the child who you might be working with. But if you were to work with a child who's struggling, let's, I don't know, maybe let's just say first grade student struggling, struggling reader, has not had systematic instruction, it comes to you, you're not sure what they've had before, they're now in front of you. I feel like I'm describing a lot of first grade teachers experiences. Mm-hmm. How many hours, like, could you do one-on-one to help this child? Because I, I feel like the, in, the, the global understanding is, well, it, it's going to take hundreds of hours. But my understanding is it's not. It's, it's just not, not that many hours to get kids reading. It really depends on their language skills.
2: It depends on um, some of these underlying issues. So I'm not Mm -hmm. going to lie to you. There are some kids where it is harder to change certain patterns and and, uh, uh, certain ways that they think reading is supposed to be. (laughs) Right? Mm -hmm. It's longer. Mm -hmm. But if you started Mm -hmm. with a clean slate. Like, nobody touched these kids and told them anything. <laughs> like, you know,
0: th- I would think it would go very quickly for most kids. And you mean, like, told them anything, like, like, um, <laughs> w- like look at the pictures when exactly. you're struggling. Exactly. Okay. And see, and that's the issue.
2: It, you know, could you get kids right out of the womb where, you know, <laughs> Well, basically you just read to them <laughs> and you just shared great stories and it was when it was time to work with them you could just mm-hmm. start off with the most basic things without starting to give them all this um, all this information that leads them on bird walks oh you look at the picture get your mouth ready you know uh, skip one yes. Time. Yes, guess when you're All not sure. types of things, where, where we are creating dyslexia by doing that, and so and and that doesn't mean dyslexia doesn't exist, but there is an element of artificially induced dyslexia, as my mm-hmm. friend Don Potter would say. Um, that it, it absolutely is true. There are some kids where if they just started off. With the right instruction, they would be fine. But then you have those other kids where, of course, there is an element of uh, where you would have to do more. But Mm -hmm. it would be just more, Mm -hmm. longer, more intensive. But it doesn't have to be where you're breaking bad habits in order to start all over again. That's what Mm -hmm. the problem is. You want Mm -hmm. to try to get this before before it starts, let parents know right away before they're even school age, so that they could then, you
0: know, know what's going on and be involved. Yeah. Uh, that's that's thank you for talking through that. Cause I am always wondering, you know, from an expert what that what that looks like, what that scope and <laughs> sequence looks like. And I'm hearing you say it's different <laughs> for every individual child based on their experiences and what they come to you with. Well, no, I didn't say that. The scope and no. the sequence, well, I want to just be clear. Okay. No, I was using know, scope and sequence wrong. You, I think. Go ahead. You no, know,
2: the scope and sequence. So in other words, working from simple to complex doesn't change. The child, in terms of how long and how many practice opportunities will be different. That's what Thank changes. You. The brain operates the same way. That's what people have to know. We're all humans. The brain operates the same way. The intensity changes, mm-hmm. but if you start with a structure, ninety-eight percent of the kids should be able to read. <laughs> That's my feeling.
1: I really. will we'll probably you know, wrap up pretty soon, Faith, but really I do want to say one more like reading. Yeah. shout out to you. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you for that. Um, That's I. You really know, helpful. I love I, the way you again, just said that. Like, <laughs> I read with Elliot every day, but again, I even took some things away from this of like the, the peer strategy. Now I don't remember Grandma. what it stands for right now, <laughs> but, but even that it was like, I was like, this is so simple. And like, does it wouldn't be you know I'm already reading to him it's just like some the questions I'm going to be asking mm-hmm. and like making yes. sure I'm asking those types of questions and I just I just want to thank yeah. you again as a parent myself <laughs> but also like I love the idea of giving this to other new parents because I'm always thinking like what should I get <laughs> for for this baby shower <laughs> and I love the idea of giving this to them because it really is just like such great um tips and yeah. ideas for Things that are easy for parents, because I think, you know, like you said, once they get to school and if the oh. students are behind and then <laughs> they hear from the teacher, like, hey, your child's struggling yes. with reading, then the parent is like, ah. <laughs> they, they're in that place you described earlier. just like, I don't even know what to do. You know, and this really this really was helpful. And I and I appreciate it as a parent myself. <laughs>
2: right. Yeah Well, thank you. And I just want to say one last thing on that website, if I'm going to say it again, mm-hmm. that's where you could find out about the book. It's, it's a helpful yep. website <laughs> and I do offer um, a study guide to go with the book. And I want to give a mm-hmm. shout out to um, Gail Morrison. Um, who's in publishing. We love Gail. We love Gail. Yes. We love Gail. love Gail. Gail. And she actually um, helped me a little (laughs) with this. I had the questions, but she gave me some helpful tips in terms of how it should be structured and making sure you put page numbers near questions. And I was like, duh, yes, of course I should do that. And that was perfect. So, you know, along the way, I've made so many wonderful friends and um, i just wanted to um, put out the website ifonlybooks.com and my friend Cheryl cool. created that for me as well and uh, there's also another document on that website called can you see me that i'm giving away for free that also is fantastic mm-hmm. in terms of getting community members to just oh yeah recognize <laughs> when a child is struggling and how a child could go up in school and
0: be seen, but not really be seen. And mm. so take a look at that. It's there for free. On the We're, we're going to link them all. We're linking all of these things. And I'm also thinking now, I mean, I kind of want to get one of these for, for Presley's teacher every year. Aww. You know, as I th- like, I just think it could be that easy, right? Like, um, hey, thank you for working with my kiddo yeah. Here's a, uh, in, instead <laughs> of... You know this with a Starbucks gift card. I I love these free resources. Um, the study guide. I know that Trey used that, so that was really cool to see that in action. What a, yeah. what it must have been full circle for you. And amazing. I have I've personally shared the Can You See Me with um, a friend of mine whose uh, kiddo is a struggling reader, and um, I was like, he is not failing. The system is failing him. So let's let's look at this, and she loved it. So thank That's you for great. that resource from. From our community here. Uh, you, you're,
2: you are very welcome. And um, it's it's just amazing what I've been hearing. I, I have this friend also in social media, Jeff Vaughn, who's in Hungary. And he works at a university and he's using the books with ENL, with um, people where English is not the first language and they are really um, going to be teaching others. So it's all pedagogy. Using that book as a resource. I'm like, wow, the book is actually in a university classroom. So Absolutely. that's another person I just want to put out there, Jeff Vaughn. Um, and so it's we're a community.
1: You. You're part of my community.
0: So same. Thank you for being part of ours. Thank you. Thank you. This is this was a pleasure. I look forward to talking to you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening, literacy lovers. Remember, we have a new episode out every Friday, and we send a super helpful newsletter with follow-up content each Tuesday.
1: Be sure to visit our website to subscribe to our newsletter and podcast. It's literacypodcast.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Literacy Podcast.
0: And please reach out with questions or ideas for podcast episodes. We love hearing from you. Melissa, what's our email address?
1: Melissa and Lori at LiteracyPodcast.com.
0: We are so glad you're here to learn with us.